Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Let us continue in the 11th chapter of Mishnayus Trumas, Perikid Aleph, Mishnah Hay, and Mishnah Vav. We're going to discuss what is the law when it comes to the seeds of Truma. Now, what would the, why would the law be different with the seeds? Because seeds generally are not consumed. So our Mishnah is going to tell us, what if you have a Kohen who decides he wants to eat these seeds? And the Mishnah is, going to di- is not going to differentiate, but I'm telling you, all the uh, commentators differentiate, there's going to be a difference between the seeds, which are totally inedible, the, the seed of a peach, the pit, it's really a pit, it's, you can't eat it, versus seeds that sometimes one may suck on them to take the, get the moisture out, like apples and pears, this, so there's a difference between the two, that when it comes to something that's totally inedible, our Mishnah says, no true sanctity whatsoever. Whereas when it comes to a seed where it could be edible, most people don't eat it, so then it's going to depend on the following. Garone truma seeds are truma fruit. If the coin, rather than discarding them, saves them in a little pile with the intention of coming back to them after, Asurus, then a non coin is not allowed to eat those seeds because essentially it's a gazera. Really, they have no sanctity, but the Chazal made a gazera, they made an enactment that if they allow a non coin to eat these seeds from truma, that the Kohen also was eating from, or was going to, going to eat from, the person may mistakenly think, you know what, this whole fruit has no sanctity, and then come to actually eat the fruit, which is a big problem. So in order to avoid that, if the Kohen plants and has intention to eat these seeds, and he saves them to, to eat them later, so then they have true sanctity on a level of Durabanan. Mishlichon, but if he throws them out, he's like, I don't want to eat these seeds. Who likes apple seeds? Let's be honest. Muteras and a non-Kohen can eat them. This kind of reminds me of the old joke about the lady who comes onto the bus in Florida, and hands the bus driver a bunch of peanuts. Bus driver says, thank you so much, and eats them. And it happens day after day, and finally he says to the lady, uh, lady, well, why do you always give me the peanuts? She says to him, it's really it's chocolate-covered peanuts, but I can't eat the peanuts, so I just suck off the chocolate. Okay, so in our mission two here as well, it's seemingly uh, you th- the non-coin wants to eat these seeds, he can do so. It's the same law, the same as applies to the uh, bones of kachim, of sacrifices. If you have a bone where a person collects them with the intention of sucking the marrow out afterwards, or whatever it may be, they are prohibited. But if he throws them away, then they are permitted. Mishnah now is going to continue. What if you have coarse bran? What's bran? So the outer husk of the wheat kernel, that is when part of the threshing is you beat that off, and that, that's, that's discarded. But it is, it could be edible, but if it's very coarse, so then generally it's not, it's not, it's discarded, it's not part of flour, there's no sanctity. I'm Rossi Mutar, so therefore coarse bran of truma grain is permitted by non-Kohen because people do not eat it. Subin shel chadash is a surus. However, fine bran, which comes from fresh grain, then it is prohibited to, non, to, the, to the non-Kohen, as in only a Kohen can eat, there is sanctity to it, and the reason for that is because the fine brand of fresh grain is it's because it's fresh it's within it's in the thir- first 30 days it's moist and therefore the flour is going to stick to it so although you, a person may not eat the bran but stuck on this bran is going to be flour of trum which is edible so in order to pre- prevent a non coin from eating it we say a non coin just cannot have this fine bran from fresh grain but if it's fine bran from old grain it is permitted because then it's dried out already so the flour is not going to stick from it stick to it excuse me what happens when you have uh, bran on the on the floor and you we need to sift it out? So a coin may treat truma grain the same way he treats chulin grain, and that is he can sift out the bran and throw it out and throw it out because it's not actually considered truma. So this is interesting. What if a person wants really fine flour? You have a coin who has truma and he wants really really fine flour, so he begins to sift it and re-sift it. 
Lo yav is a shower. So he may not destroy whatever is left over as in the lesser quality flour because although it's lesser of lesser quality, it still is flour that's edible and therefore and therefore it has true sanctity. Meaning to say as follows, how do you get really fine flour? So you make flour and now there are there are parts of it that's fine or parts of it that's less fine. You re-sift it again. Now what's left what's left in your sifter after you re-sifted the, sifted the flour is flour, it's just not of as high quality, but it is edible. So the Mishnah is telling us that if the Kohen wants to have really, really fine flour, just recognize that the flour you're going to sift out is still considered edible, so it has true sanctity. What should they do? He has to put in a place, a protected place, to ensure that a non-Kohen does not partake from it. Which is just a, it's a good thing to notice and recognize, says our mission essentially, that just because you want something very, very fine doesn't mean what the, the, the impurities are inedible. They could be edible in our case, and therefore they have truma sanctity. Next mission says as follows, what happens if a person has a storehouse full of truma grain? They want to clean out the store chulin in there. How do they do so? How do they, how do they clean it out? Do you have to be concerned that if you don't really get it on your hands and knees and take out every single piece of truma, you're going to end up with truma left <coughs> excuse me, in this storehouse, which is then going to get mixed into your chulin? Magura shepina imenu chit the truma. If you have a storeroom which you cleared out of truma wheat, you don't have to get on your hands and knees and, and take, pick out every single piece of truma. Clean it the way you normally clean it, as in any time you finish the season, wherever it may be, you were clean it out. And after after you can put inside chulin. Ah, if you do so, so then you're going to have little grains of truma in there. So what happens? We say it's nullified, it's bitl, 1 in 100, it's going to be butly. Actually, in our case, it's even less than that. We made an exception here, and we said if... And, and it's totally nullified. Now, you may ask as follows. One of the laws we learn out of Hilchus Truma, which we then apply to all over Shas, is the cause of Ein Mavatlan Israel One is not allowed to utilize the principle of Batabarov of nullification, Lichatchila. Meaning to say, a person can't can go ahead and say, because I know, let's say, uh, I, if I take milk and put it into meat and it's nullified, it's not a problem, so I'm going to intentionally put a little milk in my meat, just in, in my chulin, just so that I can nullify it. That doesn't work. We don't allow you. Which actually, I believe the Ravid says, may even be a level of Daraisa. The Torah is saying nullification doesn't work when it happens intentionally. It only happens after the fact. If that is true, in our case over here, a person knows there's grain on the floor. He doesn't. The Mishnah says he doesn't have to pick up every single piece of grain. You can rather, after you clean it the way you normally clean it, you can throw in. You can throw into the, the storehouse now your chulin, which is going to definitely nullify with those little pieces of grain that are stuck on the floor. Isn't that Isn't that lichatchila? Intentionally, you know you're mivatling the grain. And that's where we learn out another very important principle when it comes to Ein Mavatl Isn Lechatchila, which I believe I may have actually mentioned now that I'm talking about it, and that is this that we say one is not allowed to intentionally nullify something is only when that is the intention. I intend to nullify it. I want to nullify it. But if my intention is something totally different, in our case, my intention is solely to is to store the grain. I don't really care the truma's there. I just need a place to store my grain. It happens to be I'm using a where I'm using the storehouse that was previously used for truma. But I cleaned it out to my best of my abilities, and now there may be some truma on the floor. Okay, it's there. My intention isn't to nullify it. My intention isn't like I'm purposely pouring milk into the meat. It's just it happens to be there, and the byproduct of now storing my chul in there is that it's going to nullify this grain, and therefore that is not considered aim of atlisa And there's a big nafkamina for this, and that is, for instance, let's say you have frozen broccoli, or you, and you know there are bugs inside it. So one is not allowed to one is not allowed to purposely nullify those bugs. But what if my intention is not to nullify them, but rather I want to crush the broccoli up because I want to make broccoli kugel. So then. 
I can make an argument, which, which the post can say, one is allowed to do and say, I have no intention to crush these bugs up, I just want to make broccoli cook If the byproduct is, these bugs are going to get crushed up, and now they're going to be bought though nullified, that is okay. I wish you all a wonderful day, and please ask your local Orthodox rabbi about that for Pesach Halacha.